0: In this town See me and the boys We don't like it So we're getting up and going down Hiding low Looking right to left If you see us coming I think it's best To move away Do you hear what I say From under my breath
1: Episode number 101 of the Better Yet Podcast, I'm Tim Crisp, your host, Better Yet, it's a long-form interview podcast featuring musicians talking about influence, talking about writing, and talking about being around. Well, well, welcome back, my friends. Episode 101, 101, I think 101 is the way to go as far as pronunciation for... For these next uh, 99 episodes that we got coming up here I'm back And I'm glad to be I took the week off last week To get my bearings straight Was feeling jet lagged And also wanting to just ease back Into a routine I was gone, I was in Ireland Seeing my folks, saw my sister graduate high school Saw the Phil Linus statue One of many reasons For our intro song this week The main though being my guest Adam Gagola of Blind Adam in the Federal League, but going back, hope you all enjoyed our 99th episode Spectacular, and episode number 100, having David Anthony come over and interview me for the 100th episode was really a dream come true. When I started this show, of all the loftier goals I had, it was definitely one of the unspoken ones to maybe one day build the thing up enough to have a 100th episode and to be the guest on it, just like my guy Cole Cabana. I... Always worked in doing the show, I always worked with the idea of, you know, what would I want to talk about if I was talking about something I'd written? What are the details that I like to be able to speak on and having David over and asking me questions about this show, which has been a tremendously fruitful creative outlet for me. It was nice to talk in depth and maybe to fill some of the holes in my own story. For all of you, I would like to say for those reaching out to me about the interview, getting into the mental health things was a little scary, but I wanted to. And to those of you who reached out, thank you. I was in Amsterdam when the interview posted and, you know, had to stop in an internet cafe and do the social media posting. And it was nice. It was a nice moment to breathe in being several hours ahead slightly removed, but being in an old city with my partner and being able to say, yeah, this is this is my thing. This is the thing that I wanted to do. And now here it is. So we have it. It's out there and another chapter for this show begins. And I'm really thrilled to be doing so with our guest for the week. Adam Gogola of Blind Adam. And the Federal League. Adam, if you listened last week, he factored in big into my story. I met Adam ten years ago in college. He was starting to play music with my roommate at the time, Joey Kappel, episode eighteen. Adam had been in a band previously called Article Fifty Seven. Eventually, I joined up with Adam and Joey for a band called Endless Mike, which evolved into a band called The Night Brigade, which we played in together for a couple of years. Before, never really officially stopping. It just was one day we weren't really doing it anymore. Um, kind of happens sometimes. But in that time, Adam and I developed a lifelong bond, brought together by friendship and music, and hardships too. Things that we talk about a lot in the interview. After the Night Brigade, Adam was laying pretty dormant in terms of musical output, but the bug came back and bit him a couple years ago. He started sending me songs. And eventually he'd start a new band called Blind Adam in the Federal League. Fantastic rock and roll from the homie and a welcome embrace of Americana Tones. They released their self-titled debut last month and I'm so happy to hear new music from Adam and to have an excuse to get him on my show. So let's get to it. We'll start the song. This is Happy Hour followed by my interview with Adam Gagola.
2: Style. They'll be playing that old country music We can try to
0: two-step, but I'll probably lose it We've been working all week for Friday and Now they're playing wailing, and we can dance the night away
1: probably just gonna sleep. it's it's like the um it used to be that she was just like on the bed like close by and people would just be like staring at her How the old entire is she time
0: she's 12 yeah cause so. i remember when you would bring her to dust us for the weekend once in a while right like if your parents were traveling or whatever
1: yeah, yeah yeah i was i was thinking like man you've known chloe as long as like like for most of her life right she was probably like like only one or two during that time
0: about the same size.
1: No, she's definitely she's definitely expanded outward, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little, bit, yeah.
0: But still got loose skin. Hasn't like, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like there's, a yeah, there's casing. still a little
0: bit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: she's not she's not super tight.
1: <laughs> so, where would you grow up? I well,
0: um I was born on the south side of Chicago at 87th and Pulaski is where, uh, <clears throat> where my family was from. We were one block. We we're on 87th Place, which was one block south of the city limits in a very small town called Hometown, Illinois. Oh,
2: okay,
0: it's less than a square mile. Uh huh. And the northern and eastern borders of Hometown are Chicago, and then the southern and western borders are Oakland. I was born at Christ Hospital, and then in Oakland. and then uh, when I was in third grade. My family moved to Joliet, um, and
1: I lived there until I moved on to Normal. Yeah. So were your were your mom and dad both from that area? That Southside area. Yeah. Do yep. they meet in high school?
0: They met. Uh, my dad's four or five years older than my mom. Oh, okay. And my dad, uh, my dad kind of knew some of my mom's older siblings a little bit, but um, they didn't really meet until. I guess my dad was probably, like, in his late 20s. My mom was in her early 20s. Oh, okay. And uh, my dad worked at a bar on the south side. Uh Uh-huh. And it was owned by, like, I don't know exactly what the story was, but one of the owners was some Chicago cop that was still pretty young, but he was a former cop. I don't know if he got Uh fired or quit or what, but there were a lot of crazy stories about that place.
1: Uh Uh-huh. You hear those ones growing up?
0: Yeah, I think uh, well, one of them I didn't know about until it was around the time we were playing in the Night Brigade, uh-huh. probably. And uh, I think you may have heard this story before, but my mom and dad went to a New Year's party, and it was probably around like two thousand nine or ten. Uh huh. And um, they they got there, and my dad immediately saw this dude that he recognized from back then. He was like, "Hey, let's get out of here. I don't really want to be here." Yeah. My mom was like, it's New Year's. We just got here. We're uh-huh. not leaving. Yeah. And, uh, and uh uh yeah, so he was like, no, nah, I don't really want to be here. And then my mom's like, why? Who cares? This guy is like some guy you had a problem with in the late 70s. Uh-huh. And he came up and he's like, hey, you not remember me? My dad says, yeah, I remember you. And he goes, hey, I got a question for you. All those years ago, was that you that blew up my car? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh my dad was like, "Yeah, Tony, that was me," and <laughs> and then my mom was like, "What the fuck? Yeah, you blew up this guy's car? Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh huh. What?" And so I guess the story behind that was um, my dad worked at the bar, and this guy would come in, and everyone, you know, no one really liked him, but whatever. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like uh-huh. that big of a deal. But then he was in there one night, and he was really hassling. Um, I don't know if it was his girlfriend or some woman that was there that he knew. And uh, it got a little bit physical. And then my dad and uh, one of the owners or someone else, one of the regulars, whatever the story was, a couple of them kind of like roughed this guy up a little bit and threw him out the door and told him to get lost and never come back. Yeah. And then a few minutes later, someone came in from outside with like all people's cars and motorcycles were parked outside. And they were like, hey, uh, when you guys kicked Tony out, he took out a pocket knife and slashed the tires of all the employees and whatever, so... So, so my dad and uh, they 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 just worked the rest of the night. Didn't make a big deal out of it. Yeah, and they knew where he lived, and he had just bought some nice new like muscle car or something. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I don't know what it was, but uh, my dad and this like crooked like former cop uh-huh. that owned the bar drove over to his house after the bar closed, and uh, the one guy was driving and kept the car running, and my dad I guess um, stuck a gasoline soaked rag into the tank and lit it on fire and got in the car and said about half a block down they just saw a huge flash and they like felt the the concussion from the explosion that's
1: insanity yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep so and 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 they were listening to a lot of music when you were growing up right? oh
0: absolutely yeah like around that same time my dad was going to see like john prine and steve goodman at like the earl of old town and oh yeah my uh,
1: dad just saw john prine in dublin said it was
0: just incredible it was my well i wasn't at that show but my dad and i went to see him uh two weeks ago yeah or three weeks ago now maybe at chicago theater yeah and it was great and uh yeah my my mom like talked to me you know if ever talk to my mom she'll tell you about how she she bought like greetings from asbury park and the uh-huh. wild the Innoc- innocent new street shuffle like when they came out And yeah. she's like, no one even liked bruce springsteen then uh-huh. those two records <laughs> flopped at first and uh you know and oh like bob seeger and, yeah. and
1: and you were just you were just like drawn to that at a pretty early age right
0: oh yeah for sure <laughs> excuse me um yeah i mean i don't remember a time in my life when there wasn't music playing in the house constantly like, yeah we had tv of course but whether it was a record player or just a radio usually xrt would be on or uh tape cds whatever like there was almost always some kind of music playing
1: yeah and then in and uh you got a sister and right? i forgot to ask about it's it's yeah. funny when i interview people that i know because it's like it's like there are things that I already know the answer to, and and I forget that you know I want to do this the same way that I that I do everybody yeah, else. But for sure, well, I'm sure you learn things <laughs> right. about
0: your friends that you had known for a long time when you do these too, because you don't. Yeah, you don't, absolutely. Like yeah, a yeah. normal conversation isn't necessarily an interview, right? Uh, it can be, I guess. But but yeah, my sister is also super into music. She um, she's younger than you, right? She's about a year and a half older, almost exactly oh, okay. a year and a half older, and uh, she every weekend she mostly goes to see cover bands a lot around Chicago. But when she was maybe in like junior high, she got really into the Beatles Uh and she still is. But like going to see the Beatle cover bands and going to the Beatles festivals. Oh,
1: seeing like American English.
0: Yeah. And then, um, there would be other cover bands that would play those, not necessarily Beatle bands. Uh huh. So then she would start to go see them. Yeah. And, uh, and she likes a lot of original music as well. But, uh, one, um, one dude that she actually bought me a record for is Butch Walker. Yeah, and, uh, I like Butch Walker. Yeah, I. I like Butch Walker too. I never would have heard of him, but she was like, "Hey, you like Frank Turner? Yeah, and you like Shovels and Rope? Uh-huh. Uh huh. This guy produced their records, and I was like, "Well, shit. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't guess. I didn't read the liner notes <laughs> and, and see that, and I didn't know that their producer made his own music. Yeah, for but it's sure. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good producer too. Yeah,
1: all of his stuff sounds great. Yeah, um, we had, had a regular that has a studio this was at the old coffee shop and and Bushwalker was like his fucking number 1 he was always trying to he was always putting Bushwalker over to me yeah, like, like, yeah I, it's I, good stuff
0: I've had a hard time getting through full albums of his but there's certain songs that really stick out to me that are right. really good yeah yeah He's, yeah I like think that there's, there's guys cool like that
1: there's guys like that where it's like yeah I'll take I'll take five songs from this record and three songs from this one and that's that's what I need yeah for sure <laughs> so when did you when did you like kind of start wanting to play or like pursuing music on your own because you you get into punk at a certain point
0: yeah um I had a red plastic it was like red and black plastic toy guitar uh-huh. when i was a little kid that i barely even remember and i i don't remember this but apparently i called it a Macintar. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and i would uh i would put on um my black snow boots and this like little jean jacket or uh like motorcycle jacket that one of my mom's friends got me uh-huh. and i would I would strap that guitar on and I would scream. I didn't know all the words to the song, but I would just scream born in the USA or born to run like yeah. the song titles and pretend <laughs> to play this guitar in the living room. And uh, so I think it was Adam always raised the cane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was, I think it was like always in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, but I knew I really wanted to do it probably like, and this is such a typical answer for anyone in our generation that grew up with punk rock, but Like, when I got into Green Day. Yeah, Green Day was, they were the ones. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I remember seeing the video for Basket Case, and I was like, those guys don't look like rock stars. Never seen that before. Yeah, they're not, like, handsome dudes. Yeah. You know, they look like they're not taking this too seriously, but they're also very good at it.
1: I remember, and this was even, like, after the fact, but it was context that I really loved, but they're behind the music, the thing that they were really, really proud of with the Longview video was that they had some really good zits. Yeah. And I just thought that He's that was pop, the coolest thing. He pops one in the video. Yeah. It like a close-up of him <laughs> popping right. a pimple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they were still really young when Dookie came out. It's insane to think about. To yeah. Like, you know, that that all just, like, blew up the way that it did. And then you get, like, Offspring and, and Rancid have big records just based off the popularity of a band like Green Day.
0: Oh, for sure. And then everything that came after that, like a few years later Blink-182 blew up. Yeah. And then bands like Good Charlotte and Sum
1: 41 and whatever. Yeah, but- it took a it took a, a hard left at some point. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, get me out of here." But there was great stuff that came out of that. Yeah. And you were you all were always like kind of uh you were always like in on like the fat record side of things and like Epitaph and bands like that, right?
0: Yeah, I think There was a while, like, like I loved Rancid and uh, Green Day and um, Offspring pretty early. Yeah. And then there was a girl in seventh grade, there was this girl that I thought was cute, and she always wore corn t-shirts and Limp Biscuit t-shirts and stuff. So, Uh like, to impress her, I never even heard those bands. Yeah. Except for maybe, like, on Q101 sometimes. Right. And so, to impress her, I, like, bought those CDs and bought those shirts, but never even spoke to her. (laughs) (laughs) So, um and then uh some friend of mine was like hey check this out and gave me a copy of maniacal after on CD and I was like the bouncing souls are way better than corn yeah this is cool
1: man that, that maniacal <laughs> i feel like maniacal after like people forget like how freaking like good and weird and like quirky that band was in the early phases like i uh, maniacal after is still my favorite bouncing souls record
0: it's awesome and it's so short yeah and like as soon as it ends like it it starts and ends with songs about two of their best friends that are still close friends with them that helped them write those songs and like
1: yeah i remember being out there like when we went to asbury for those shows and yeah and meeting lamar and he's like i'm lamar and i'm like get out of here no way (laughs) no Yeah, like I'm, a, I'm losing my mind out there. And then this guy says, "Yeah, I'm Lamar Vanoy." And he's just yeah. a fucking cool dude. He's just a, he's just a cool guy, just <laughs> hanging out and being a little weird. <laughs> for sure.
0: Yeah, I was out there two summers ago, and for their like Stoke for the Summer thing that they did. Yeah. And like after the show, some of us went back to Brian's house, and I'm sitting on the porch with Johnny X and Lamar Vanoy, and like what the fuck if i was if i could tell my 14 year old self that this was going to happen yeah when i was 31 or 30 Uh or whatever no way dude those aren't real people they're just in songs Uh (laughs) (laughs) so when did when did you start playing when did you get a guitar i got a guitar for christmas and when i was in sixth grade Uh and i started taking lessons the following year um and i was very bad about uh not being surprised with christmas gifts so i I had an idea that I might be getting one, uh-huh. and I searched the entire house until I found it. Yeah, and uh, and then I would look at it every day. And one day after school, my mom caught me looking at it, and yeah, and she made me feel pretty bad about that. And uh, <laughs>
1: I got I got caught taking my I got a Sammy Sosa uh, jersey for Christmas, and I knew that it was there. And so my friend was my like older friend was babysitting. I was like, "Hey, check this out!" And I took my Sammy Sosa jersey out, and I was showing. It, and then I just like threw it back in the closet. And my parents are like, "Yo, like you gotta cover your tracks a little bit better." And I'm like, "What the heck?" Yeah, this thing didn't just come
0: out of the box itself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so um, did you
1: take to it pretty early, or was it kind of like you no. you get in there doing lessons, and you're like, "No, this sucks. I don't want to."
0: So I got I got the guitar and like a book, uh-huh. you know, and. I was like, "What the fuck? I can't, can't learn anything from this book." Right. That's not how you learn how to play rock and roll. You don't read uh-huh. a book. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so I started thinking. I think I got the guitar for Christmas, and then for my birthday, I got like a package of like ten lessons. And my parents were like, uh-huh. "We'll pay for ten, and see yeah. how this goes." And uh, and my guitar teacher was his name was Gary. Uh huh. And he was like six three, old, like Joliet biker dude with a long beard, and like he looked like he could have been in ZZ Top. <laughs> or, like, had just gotten out of prison from, like, some... Blowing up a car? Yeah, f- blowing up a car, doing, some like, some kind of, like, 90s-related biker yeah. bullshit. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he walked with a cane. He had a, a bunch of stick-and-poke tattoos. And uh he was basically like, do you know what tabs are? And I said, no. Uh-huh. These are tabs. Here's how you make these cords. Showed me, like, the open cords, the cowboy cords, whatever. Uh-huh. First position open cords and... uh and then he was like this is a bar chord what do you like to listen to i was like green uh, day rancid uh, uh-huh. i don't know and like, he was like only bar chords yeah he's like okay cool that's easy uh <laughs> next week bring a cd uh-huh. and i'll teach you how to play a song yeah i was like that's it that's all this is right and so i took lessons from him for about a year until i realized i was pretty much just teaching myself uh-huh. and, uh huh <laughs> and then um after that i mostly like most of what i've learned i guess has probably been just from playing with people that are better than me. Yeah. And learning songs.
1: When that, did you start playing with uh with Mark? Was Article fifty seven your first band? No,
0: not really. It was uh-huh. the first real band uh-huh. uh, I'd say. But uh I had a band there was a dude who I actually just saw yesterday for the first time in like seven years. Uh huh. Um the last time I'd seen him was when we played with the Souls at Reggie's. Oh really? And uh I saw him and his family uh when I was out with my mom for Mother's Day. Um but he His lesson was, like, the lesson before mine, and he was actually the bass player for Article 57 as well, but me and him and I don't even know how we knew the other dude. His name was Levi. Yeah. Started a band in eighth grade, and we didn't know how to come up with a cool band name, so we just, like, took all of our initials and tried to figure out what words we could spell with them. Uh Uh-huh. What'd you get? And uh, we ended up with, it was G-E-L-K-A-N, gel can. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) We uh we we were like uh, top three finalists for a songwriting competition sponsored by the Illinois State Police um, uh-huh. for uh, drug prevention, <laughs> and um, we got to perform that song at the Old Town School of Folk Music. Wow, it's a and, nice room. Yeah, and members of the Smoking Popes and Poi Dog Pondering were on the panel of judges. Oh yeah. I don't know who. I didn't really know.
1: Who those bands Probably were. probably a, Josh. Oh, you don't you not know who the bands were, yeah. Yeah, like at the time I uh-huh. like
0: maybe I'd heard the names, uh huh, but you know, there was like no context for me in eighth grade, like who this is. Right. And uh so that that
1: lasted I think we played that. Well, did you win? No. You can't you can't start and not finish. Oh yeah, it. yeah, we did not <laughs> win. Um but they What did was put- the name of your song? Do you remember? No.
0: I think oh, okay. probably like Drugs Are Bad or something. <laughs> they put us up in like a really fancy five-star hotel downtown and we got to meet Jesse Jackson. <laughs> uh-huh. <That's laughs> Jesse cool. Jackson was like there to meet all the participants. Uh-huh.
1: It was really weird. Yeah, that is a little strange. The, the,
0: it was like the ages were like 13 to 18. uh uh-huh. And of course, the winners were like 18-year-olds that knew what they were doing yeah. more so than we did. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't even think we played like a real show as that band. We maybe played like a talent show and covered an MXPX song or something. Perfect. Yeah responsibility um, what's that yeah i think i don't think it was that one i think it was a song um about it was a song about being sad that probably mentioned jesus in a way that i didn't get
1: uh uh-huh. at the time yeah i remember finding out that they were a christian band and i was like whoa yeah okay it
0: was, all right yeah because they it weren't was, super direct about it right but if you listen to it now you can
1: yeah for sure it's there um but but you start article 57 that's a little bit more yeah more of like, like a serious like, venture yeah
0: yeah and it started out we we were so young when we started that band. And we were like we were just looking for like other punk rock kids that wanted to be in a band and um it was like me and Eric, our bass player, uh-huh. and then Mark was playing with this dude that played drums, who wasn't even really in a punk rock, but it was like this dude can play drums, yeah, and uh. We just like combined forces. Mark already had a band name and a website, uh-huh. and <laughs> There <you go. laughs> like a cjb.net. dot uh-huh. net, <laughs> and probably made on, like Geo Cities or Angel Fire or something, right? Um, so we just like like all right, let's get together. You guys, we have these three songs written, and you guys have those three, and we can learn like a bouncing soul song and a rancid song and a Pennywise song, and then yeah. we, we can there play a whole go. set.
1: You got the whole set, right? Yeah, you can go play in, at Sound Lab or like the VFW Hall or
0: yeah. We were just playing like. We didn't even know where to do shows yet, so we were just playing, like, garages. Uh Uh-huh. And then there was this place, I don't even remember what it was called, but it was, like, it was in, like, the near south suburbs somewhere, if I remember correctly. And uh, they they would videotape the shows and give you, like, a CD recording of the, like the, your live set and then it would be on at like three o'clock in the morning on public access. Oh wow. And we played there like twice and the recording was horrible. And it, we <laughs> probably I probably saw the VHS somewhere. Yeah. But eventually um we made like we made one C D that was like recorded in my parents' basement. And we hired some guy that was in a hardcore band that had like a like a studio that he would load up into his van and go record uh-huh. local bands oh, wow. for like like a hundred bucks. Yeah. He was a little older, but he was cool. Um it's a horrible C D. If I was gonna show anyone anything from that band, I would show them that as a joke. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would show them like the last recording we did to say like, Yeah, see this wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah, it evolved
1: into a pretty good thing. I mean, I remember like Joey showing it to me and I was like, Oh damn, this is like not a bad band.
0: Yeah, by the time by the time we recorded our last album, I like I'm pretty proud of that. We were like nineteen and right. it's like some of those songs hold up, I think.
1: Were you out of high school? At that point,
0: yeah, and the band broke up shortly after that. We were like just out of high school when we recorded it, uh-huh. and then it never really got released because we spent all of our money recording it. That band was kind of crazy. There's a crazy story about that. We we put an EP out after we recorded with this guy that came to the basement. We uh, um, someone put us in touch with Dan Precision. Uh-huh. from 88 Fingers Louie and Rise Against and whatever, yeah. you know, dozens of other bands he's playing in that minor threat cover band, major threat now. Uh-huh. Um, someone put us in touch with him and was like, this guy can, he can actually, like, yeah, make a Yeah, sound really good. And uh, we thought it sounded great at the time. In retrospect, I don't think it sounds very good. But well, was, I mean, for, for what it was <laughs> yeah, then? Yeah, for sure. And uh, But, yeah, it was awesome for, the, for what it was at the time. And we went and... Did like a full length CD with him, and then for being in high school, we played out of town quite a bit. I can't like, you know, we were gonna do whatever we wanted to, whether it made our parents upset or not. But they were always very supportive. Uh-huh. But looking back on it, like I can't believe how cool well, they, they just were let with, you like, drive anywhere. Oh, yeah, and... like oh, we're gonna go play in Milwaukee and then Madison, and we weren't like. How were you booking those shows? Through mostly through this website. That is probably still around, but I don't know if it's still actively updated. It was called "Book Your Own Fucking Life." Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It yeah. was a, it was like a big like phone book directory. for a while. Yeah, yeah.
0: And we would just, we weren't even really emailing at the time. Like we had email, uh huh. But we were mostly calling in these places, yeah. And they'd be like, "Okay, if you want to play here, mail us a demo." Uh huh. So we'd have to mail them a CD or a tape, and then wait to hear back from them. So we'd mail it, and then like a week later, be like, hey, did you get our demo? And they'd either say yes or no, and if they had, if they didn't like it, then (laughs) whatever. And if they did, they'd book us. So like after we recorded that first CD with uh, Dan Precision, somehow we got in touch with Brian Peterson of MP Shows. That was like towards the end of Fireside's heyday. Right. And I don't know if he liked our music, or he
1: was just like... He's a tough read.
0: He is, and we just did our record release show with him.
2: Yeah.
1: and You still don't know if he likes (laughs) like he said he did. Uh-huh.
0: And I don't think he was he sounded sincere, but it was uh-huh. also like he's always been very helpful and supportive of every music project I've ever had. Uh-huh. And I don't think he's ever like bullshit in me, but I'm also like like this he's very cordial. Uh-huh. But like not necessarily friendly. Yeah. And I'm like does this dude think I suck? <laughs> and he's like just being nice or does he like me and he's not being nice? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but he's cool and, uh, we got, a, he used to put us on awesome shows all the time and that's how we actually met a lot of people from other cities and states and venues and uh-huh. whatever. Like he'd put us on with Wesley Willis and mustard plug and I think he had us play with Against All Authority and like River City Rebels and...
1: That's crazy that you played with Wesley Willis.
0: We played his last show at Fireside before he died. Wow. Yeah, we didn't know that was going to be Yeah, yeah, there yeah, only like 30 people there. Like if uh-huh. it was known that... This was Leslie Wilson's last show. Yeah, it would have been packed to the gills. Right,
1: because he's kind of like he, people kind of took him for granted towards the end. I think.
0: Yeah, and he was he would do those like amazing drawings, uh-huh. and sell them for like twenty dollars. And I never bought one because I was like, yeah, whatever, I can get one of these whenever. Yeah. And totally. The last time I saw, there was one on eBay for like five thousand bucks.
1: That's insane. Yeah. Damn.
0: Yeah. Well, so. uh, Back on track. Right. (laughs) Well,
1: you. But you were pushing that. You were pushing that, like, pretty. Oh, yeah. Pretty hard, right? Right after high
0: school, right? Like, the day of high school graduation, we opened for Mustard Plug at Fireside Bowl, and it was sold out, and it was insane. Uh huh. And, uh, And then two weeks after that, we booked, like, a 30 show tour that was in. Like 31 days. We only wow. Get, yeah. I don't know what the hell we were doing. We had like right. one cell phone between the six of us that were in the van. Uh-huh. It was, it was crazy. Like half the – not half, but I'd say probably like a quarter of the shows either ended up getting canceled at the last minute or we had to like try to book somewhere else or whatever. But it was it was a crazy thing for us to do. But on that tour, we played two shows in Atlanta, and one day we were walking around in Atlanta, and we went into this little boutique like clothing and record store. And the dude that was working me on the counter was like, oh, you guys look like you're in a band. Mm -hmm. The owner of this place is a producer. You should give me one of your CDs. Yeah. And we're like, okay, whatever. Uh What's his name? Yeah. Dallas
1: Austin. I'm like, Dallas Austin? Uh Uh-huh. That sounds fake. Dallas El Paso Austin.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, that sounds fake, but sure. He's like, no, it's not fake at all. He's worked with Boys to Men Uh and Madonna and Michael Jackson and Prince. And we're like okay, dude, here's a CD. Uh If this is for real, this guy's not going to like us. And then uh, I, like, wrote down my contact information with it just in case. And, like, a week later, we were somewhere up north, like in Massachusetts or something on the East Coast, and I got a phone call from a number I didn't recognize. And I answered it, and he's like, hey, is this Adam from Article 57? I said, Um. Yeah. And he's like, Hey, this is Dallas Austin. I have your C D and I really like it. I love the clash. And uh-huh. I think you guys could go in that direction. You got like a little bit of a pumpkin sky reggae thing going on. I was like, Yeah, okay. Who are you? And he's like, You dropped off your C D at my store. Uh huh. I was like, Oh shit, yeah, okay, that's you. Right. And he's like, Did my he's like, Did my guy at the store tell you who I've worked with? And I was like, uh-huh. I was like, Yeah, but I didn't really believe him. <laughs> and he's like, He's like, I'm sitting here with Andre 3000 right now. Because <laughs> that was right around the time that uh, The Love Below came out. Yeah. And,
1: the biggest record of the year. That yeah. Year. Uh-huh. Yeah. And
0: like, Hey I was a huge hit. Like, uh-huh. we would cover it sometimes. Cause yeah. It was funny. And, uh, and so he's like, how long is your tour? We're like, oh, I don't know. We got two weeks left or something. huh. And he's like, all right, well, I want to have you guys back down to Atlanta, um, like, in August. Because this was July. He's uh-huh. like, in August or early September, and he's like, well, I'm starting like a rock record label that's going to be a subsidiary of Universal, I think it was. Uh huh. And we we're like, okay. He's like, yeah, we'll we'll pay to fly you guys out or rent you a van or whatever, put you up in a hotel. Uh huh. He's like, how old are you guys? If we rent you a van, uh, will you be able to? No. <laughs> uh, we were like, we're 18. Uh huh. Like, oh, okay. So my dad he rented us a van, and. My dad drove it because he had to be 25 to drive uh-huh. a rental car. Yeah. And we got there and we, like, he's like, come to my studio before you go to the hotel. We were there. He had to there for like three days. And we go to the studio and it's it was like a giant compound. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And there were dudes that worked on that uh the love below record there and like he's like you just missed luda he just left like <laughs> luda chris had been there and my dad's like smoking weed uh-huh. with these like hip-hop producers and stuff yeah and he's like you guys want to play some xbox we'll Order you know we'll order a pizza or whatever uh-huh. and we were all just like what the fuck you know like right. we wanted to like we wanted to try to get like anti-flag to put our record out or like you know like yeah yeah, yeah. and uh or like bouncing souls had a label or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like
1: Trunksaw AF or
0: like this Fat new Records, Universal subsidiary. <laughs> yeah, like Fat Records or Epitaph would have been like right. way too big for us to even consider. Right. And and then this happened, and these guys like they had us play the showcase, and it was like just us in like a private little room, and there were like people there taking notes. It was really weird. Yeah. And. And then afterwards, they had us back to the studio, and we, like, talked, like, terms uh-huh. and money and all this crazy shit. But we didn't sign anything. They didn't give us any papers. And, yeah, yeah. And they were like, here's what we're going to have you do. Uh, he's like, demo your new songs, send them to us, we'll have you down, we'll have you back down here in, like, January for a month, and we'll work on the record, yeah. and then we'll set you up with all, like, we were like, oh, okay, and then... I don't know what happened with that label, but he just never ended up doing it. Yeah. But his, like, assistant would call us, like, twice a week and be like, we need you guys to practice every day for three hours to a metronome. Uh-huh. We need you to do this. We need you to do that. You know, send us a demo. And we were, like, doing, all, like, everything they said for, like, months. And then yeah, nothing yeah. ended up happening. Jesus. And then after that, it was just, like, like, I think we were so young... And that was something that we didn't expect. And it was like put in front of us and then taken away. And it just like took the wind out of the sails. Yeah, for sure. Whereas, like, if something like that were to happen now, I think it'd be like, okay, that didn't work out, but it means that it can happen.
1: Yeah. So yeah, let's, let's keep going. And
0: we were like 19 or 20. And at the time, we'd been doing the band for like five years. And we were like, fuck this. Like, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. play a few more shows and just be done with it.
1: Because I think when when I met you. You were at ISU, and you'd started playing in the basement with Joey at our at our house, at Dot's Fun House. Yeah. And you were almost still, like, reeling from it a little bit. It was like, it, you were in a position where you're just like, I haven't played music with people in a long time, and I want to again, and I almost think that I'm ready. We'll see. Yeah. Did it feel that way to yeah. you? Yeah. Am I remembering yeah, it correctly? How did you meet Joey?
0: Um, I met Joey because we both worked at uh, the campus dining services. Hell yeah! And he noticed my straight edge tattoo. Uh huh. <laughs> and he was like, "He's like, fuck yeah, dude! I love straight edge." He's like, "I'm straight edge and I love hardcore too." I was like, "I was like, I actually just started drinking beer, dude. <laughs> Like, like three months ago." Uh huh. And it, I think I think it's awesome. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh, well, you love hardcore, right?" And I was like, nah, man, I never really got into hardcore too much." He's like, "Really?" yeah I was like yeah I mean I like some of it like Uh not like like minor threat and like you know whatever a few Uh hard like Kid Dynamite's cool but I don't know like I don't know why they dance like that Uh (laughs) and they're all they're all so angry (laughs) and he's like okay well do you like punk and I was like yeah yeah of course he's like okay Uh cool we can be friends we can be friends (laughs) yeah and then we we started jamming just like messing around yeah and then we kind of started that band Emma's Mike Uh and uh I well, know. I
1: just I just remember that you were like you were there and you were you were excited about it and you were kind of like you know Tim Chris you play guitar Why yeah. don't you get an electric guitar yeah I was like I don't know I think you had two
0: acoustic guitars at the time right yeah I was like, yeah, yeah
1: you know I needed different tunings so
0: yeah. well I was like <laughs> I was like man you have two acoustic guitars but we can't plug any of these in and jam with us
1: yeah well it was I guess it was funny because that's kind of that's how I remember you is I remember that you were just like. Why don't you get an electric guitar? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I never I've never, never played one it. before. I never yeah. thought about it. And you're just like, well, you should. And you've always had like that kind of like encouraging like part of you. And you know, I think I was talking to Kyle scaturro recently, and he was oh, like, yeah. he has like those early these old ghost songs. And those you were, were great just songs. like they were, they were so good. But you were just like, you were so encouraging of him as well. And you know, he's he's like, I moved to normal because adam like got me <laughs> to he told me to like come up here and like play more often and yeah you know now he's like he's uh, he's been there for what seven years at this point like he's he's like already, he's like yeah he's settled like, into a life life. yeah yeah that's but, crazy like i mean you know do you you're a talker you've always been a talker and you're you're always you know what i'm saying like have yeah, you always yeah. kind of just been that way
0: I think so, yeah. I used to get in trouble in elementary school for talking too much, and they'd, like, stick me in the back, like, coat room. Uh-huh. I'm like, can you still hear the teacher? Yeah. <laughs> All right, but you're too far away to talk to anybody, so just listen. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, like, people are very interesting to me, and uh, I, like, I'm not super self-conscious about the things that I do, but, you know, like I think there's some level of, like, I'm putting this out in the world. I hope it doesn't suck. Yeah. Um, But also, like, I have enough of a, like, I don't really give a shit if people think it sucks in me. Uh Uh-huh. What do you think is that from? I I don't know. Yeah. Maybe being a Cubs fan. (laughs) I don't care if it sucks. I still like it. Right. (laughs) Um, but, But when I see people that I care about doing things that I can tell that they care about that I think are good, or even if... Even if they're not necessarily good, like good is such a, I don't know. It's like a, it's, it's a term that is so subjective. Like, what does that even mean? If it makes you happy and you're creating something that you can enjoy with people that you care about, then it's good. Yeah. So like when I found out that you were doing this podcast, I was starting to listen to it. I was like, fuck yeah, this is fucking rad. And this is, I remember seeing you on the street like two years ago. I think it was before you even started this. And I had just started listening to WTF pretty regularly. Uh Uh-huh. And when... When I started listening to that, I thought of you. I was like, Tim would fucking love this. And yeah, then yeah. I saw you. I was like, Hey, man, do you listen to Mark Maron's podcast? And you're like, Yeah, it's awesome.
2: I'm ripping it off. Like,
0: <laughs> no, well, <laughs> why
1: wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. And I think that, well, it's you know, it's it, he's like he's like hearing Green Day. You know, right. he, it's like it's absolutely. like oh, cool. Uh, I can, I can do, do that. Yeah, for sure. I, I've know I know some fucking characters, and there are people out there to talk to. Absolutely. Well, I don't know. I think that like I, I gleaned a lot from from that. I think that you're somebody that you, that you know you get people out of their shell a little bit just because you you got like kind of a no. You're not self conscious, right? And you don't like you don't stop from just being like, hey, you know what's up? You got you got anything you want to talk about? If you do, that's great.
0: Yeah, I think that well. I I shouldn't say I'm not self conscious. I am.
1: Uh huh. But I think. Well, it's easier to it, like, like take I, that self consciousness and just like I don't you know be yeah. outward.
0: Right. Because I think I I think I think what I do with it instead of like clamming up, which I totally understand why people do. I'm just like, well, if this person's not going to like me, they should not like me because they actually know me. Right. <laughs> 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 like not not because they're like, why is that guy so quiet? Like. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's how I, like that's how I've made so many friends that I have had for so long. And like right. Made I've gotten to be friends with some of my favorite bands, and it's not like it's not like oh here's some fucking kid that's bothering us, and like we feel bad for him. But it's like, hey, I like what you do. Your songs mean a lot to me, and they're like, uh-huh. cool. That's yeah. why we do this. Right. Right.
1: You know, and sit down. Like, talk if they're if they're up for it
0: right for sure and that, like that's how i met mike guzman who plays drums in this band that i'm in now and played drums in the night brigade with us was he he was a few years younger than me and he would come to article 57 shows and after the show he would just come up and be like hey man i really like your band and I'd be uh-huh. like cool what's your name yeah, yeah, yeah and now he's like family to me
1: yeah absolutely
0: so that's that's one thing that i always loved about punk rock and it's not even necessarily the music it's just the there's a lot of shitty people in any aspect of life. There's shitty people in the punk rock scene or whatever, but it's a unique community where I think there is a, there's a lot of genuine people that truly support each other and maybe not as much as I would like, but I just try to take the positive out of it as much as I can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like your perspective has always been helpful for, for me and, and plenty of people that I know. Um, you know, I remember Endless Mike, you know, after you I think you lent me your yeah, yeah, you lent me for you lent me your guitar for a while. Which but, one? The um, Ben Weasel one or the The, the Ben I, Weasel guitar, yeah. Yeah. Cuz I had the Telecaster too. Right. And we we had a show at the Bone Student Center, Endless oh, yeah. Mike and like some weird bands yeah. and I mean, I re- I remember it really well cuz you uh your back was hurting. Yeah, and you kept having Joey crack your back, and you were talking about you had the spot in your eye, in yeah. your vision, and he thought like maybe you pinched a nerve or something like that, and then
0: yeah, that's what the like quack doctor at the
1: ISU Health Center said. Oh, is that where <laughs> it came from? Yeah. This is this might be what it is. Well, I mean the you know, it, it it ends up being this crazy thing that that you've been living with now for ten years. Ten years.
0: Yeah that's insane it makes me feel old (laughs) sorry (laughs) no no not at all
1: so you you mind if if we kind of walk through that uh that time you ended up like going to a couple doctors and yeah
0: um so yeah it was like right around then actually i think did you come i think maybe you came up with me from uh from normal to see the loved ones and gaslight anthem at reggie's
2: oh yeah yeah and
0: that was like right around the time that i first noticed it yeah and i mentioned it to my mom we were in my parents living room we stopped at my folks house on the way to reggie's or maybe on the way back
2: yeah yeah i
0: remember stopping at your folks house for sure and i mentioned it to my mom and she was like oh shit like you maybe need to go to like a specialist because there is this rare eye disease in the family hopefully that's not what this is Uh uh-huh and i just kind of brushed it off like yeah whatever yeah we got to go to this show. And I was scared, but I was like, well, I'm going to hang out with Tim. And I think we met up with maybe Mark Anzolk met up with us. Yeah. And like we went to the show and, um, and then that next week I went, I went to the Gailey Eye Clinic in Bloomington and they, they ran a bunch of tests. I told them right away. I was like, Hey, there's this rare eye disease in my family. I think it's called Lebers, but I don't really know much about it. And they are like, well, that's very rare. That can't be it. Uh And then they ran, like, days worth of tests, like thousands of dollars worth of tests. And that was, like, a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then the Friday I went back. And they were, like, they sat me down in a room, and they said, we don't mean to alarm you. I was 22, almost 23 at the time. Uh, We don't mean to alarm you, but all these tests have been inconclusive. So we've ordered an MRI because we think it's a good possibility that you have a brain tumor, holy shit i don't even remember that part i uh i was like that's what i said i was like holy shit like i'm gonna yeah so you tell me i'm gonna die now and and Fuck. so i i left there and i went and picked up there was a show at Dos one house that night and it was like 11 a.m uh-huh i left there i went and picked up uh like a burrito from what was the mexican place on la bamba not la bamba it was on uh um on main street like towards Bloomington, like right by Wesleyan.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I went there.
0: I, I picked up like a, a, a burrito, I picked up a case of old style and a bottle of Jim Beam or something and drove, parked my car, like in the little parking lot driveway behind us one house. And I like went in, I don't think anyone was home. You guys were out of class. I like went in and sat on the couch and started eating a burrito. And I, I think you came home and you're like, what's up, man. And I was like, uh, The doctors told me, like, you you guys all knew what was going on, right? Right, right. like, as much as anyone could. And I was like, The doctors told me I might have a brain tumor. I was like, Here's a beer. (laughs) And you're like, I still have another class. I was like, I'm not going to class Uh today. I'm gonna hang out here till the
1: show. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, and like, Jesus, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like, like ringing a bell for sure. I definitely remember. I definitely remember the the show up with the old style and the Jim Beam, you <laughs> know. Yeah, but that was fucking that, that was, was like, insanity. Oh man, right. I was like, I just felt like everything was in slow motion.
0: I was like, is this the last cool weekend I'm ever gonna have? Right. And I, like, why did they order the? Why did they tell me this on a Friday and order the MRI for Monday? So I had the MRI. It was clear, no brain tumor, and and then they were like, what was it? You said that was in your family? Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I mentioned this to you the first fucking day that I was yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so they were like, okay, well, we need to send you to another specialist now. And so we went to um, – uh, what the hell was the name of the – we went to Champagne. There was a neuro there, and I remember when my mom was there for the appointment that they told me that I needed to go to the neuro-ophthalmologist my mom started crying. I just walked out of the room. I was like, yeah. "I'm not going to sit here and watch my mom cry." Yeah, because I'm probably going blind, and I had no idea how bad it was going to be either. Uh huh. Um, I uh, like, I didn't know. I I thought I was going to be completely blind. I was like, like, what the fuck? This sucks. I was playing baseball at the time still. Yeah. Um, and and so did that, and uh, and then it was. Right around that same time, before I got, like, the conclusive diagnosis, it was like, this is probably what you have. But We had to wait on the DNA test, which took, like, three months or two months. And um, and then we went back to another show at Reggie's. Uh, the Bouncing Souls were playing. Yeah, and, and the Gaslight Anthem. And again. Gaslight again, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they were opening for both of the loved ones and the souls. And now uh-huh. Brian Fallon and Gaslight Anthem are way bigger than those fans. Yeah. But uh, – We went to the show, and then after the show, um, Pete and Brian were at the bar next door. And I I had always wanted to get a motorcycle since I was a little kid. Yeah. And uh, I knew that Pete and Brian rode Harleys because they had just done, like, this big, like, web series the year before with Harley where they went to Sturgis. And they had all these videos on YouTube or the Harley website or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. And um, and so I just, like, I had had met them a couple times through the anti-flag dudes, but very brief yeah yeah. quick handshake hey i love your band see you later Uh uh-huh and uh and they were standing at the bar and i was like i'm gonna go talk to those dudes about motorcycles and i offered to buy them a beer they're like okay what's up Uh i was like hey guys um i'm not looking for sympathy here but i'm probably going blind and i want to get a harley (laughs) but i don't have a whole lot of money so i don't really know anyone else that rides like what should i get and they gave me a little bit of advice and they were like fuck dude sorry to hear that uh Good luck. You know, we'll yeah, see you next yeah. time. Uh-huh. And so a couple weeks later, I had got my motorcycle license, got a bike, and then I got the like confirmation of the diagnosis. And then right after that, they posted on their MySpace page that they were gonna be playing the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in South Dakota. And uh, I emailed Chunksaw Records, like info at Chunksaw.com. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think anyone checked those emails. like, like they probably get a million of them and right. like, whatever. Uh huh. But I was just like, I'm gonna throw this out there that's a place where I can ride to. I was like, Hey guys, uh, whoever checks this, if they could forward this to Brian, I'd really appreciate it. And then I was like, Brian, my name is Adam. We met in Chicago, blah, blah, blah. Reminding him of the whole thing. I got a bike and, uh, I want to ride to see you guys at Sturgis, but I don't know anyone else to ride with. And that's a long way to go. I just started. Yeah. If you guys are riding from Jersey, would you mind if I tagged along? And he emailed me back the next day uh-huh. and he was like, Yeah, dude, I remember you. Sorry about your eyes. Badass that you got a bike. Give me an address in Chicago, and we'll all ride together. Hell yeah! And I was like, whoa. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, and I actually just talked to him on the phone two weeks ago. They have their next year is their 30th anniversary, so they're doing a 30th anniversary book, and he asked me to write that story for the book.
1: Oh man, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, Yeah, dude, like that, like seeing that like unfold, just like brought so much like faith to, I think like, you know, everybody that was, that was attached, everybody that was like watching it and to see like the relationship that you developed with these guys who you just like, you know, reached out to because, because of their music, you know, being so meaningful to you and, and they were, you know, so friggin like kind and, and generous to you and to see it develop into just a friendship as, you know, that was like, there was so much just like awfulness in that whole story, and I think that we all like attach so much just like, oh man, that's that's something to feel good about at <laughs> least.
0: Yeah, I mean, there were a few days where I was like laying in bed in that weird house that I had with Corey on uh, on Fell Street, normal. Yeah, and like I was like laying in bed, and I would be like really fucking bummed, and like yeah, like I don't know that I've ever been like like, long-term, like, clinically depressed or anything. But if I ever was, it was in that time. But I don't think I, like, didn't let myself stay in that feeling too long. So I was, like, I have a lot of awesome friends. Like, the support that I had from everyone down there at that time was amazing. And then, like, my family's cool. Everyone's really supportive. And, like, in three weeks, I'm going on a cross-country motorcycle trip with my favorite band ever. Yeah. And it's not like – it was, like, a charity thing. It was just, like, yeah, like – we'll ride with you right you know that'll be cool and it was right after that uh on that trip i think was it the marshall tucker band played uh-huh. the same night as the souls yeah <laughs> on different stages of course uh uh-huh. but at the same campground and then like later on me and brian were sitting at a picnic table drinking beers and just like talking about life and he's like so what are you gonna do man i was like i don't know i'll probably have another beer too and then go crash in my tent <laughs> And he's like, no, what are you going to do like, in your life? He's like, how old are you, 23? Uh-huh. I like, yeah, I just turned 23 a few months ago. He's like, so what do you want to do? You love playing music, right? I was yeah. like, yeah, but I was like, I don't know. I already tried to do that once when I was younger. And right. It was just like we worked really hard, and then I was sad. <laughs> 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 and he's like, who cares, man? He's like, I've been doing this since I was probably as young as you were when you started doing it, and there's still times where it bums me out, but it's the best thing in the world. Yeah he's like, you know the song Kids and Heroes from Angers Away? And uh-huh. I said, yeah. He's like, he's like, I wrote that song for the people in your generation that need to keep this kind of stuff alive. Yeah. He's like, you should start a new band. And like, I know Mike, we were doing some stuff, but it wasn't, we didn't take it too seriously.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And so uh, we got back to normal and Joey was in like seven bands. Uh-huh. We got, <laughs> yeah. uh, like I, when I got back down to normal that fall, I remember talking to Mike Guzman in the band that he was in at the time, The Risk, that ska band. They were pretty much done. Vince played in that band too, and I was like, "Hey, why don't we start a band?" And then you and I had talked about it a lot too, because you were writing a lot of songs. Then, yeah, and I was like, Brian Keenan told me that I should start a band, <laughs> <laughs> so I think we need to start a band. And like yeah. take it seriously.
1: Uh huh. And yeah, I mean that was like I think my senior year of college, and like. Yours too. That was kind of just like it. That was, you know, really all that we like gave a shit about during that time. I oh yeah. When we were in, uh, we were in vocal class together. <laughs> you, you were never there, and the that it teacher was, really, was just like such a like She was very sweet, very sweet grad student, and she'd be like, "Do you know if Adam like wants okay? to come yeah. to class?" And I'm, I just be like, "Yeah, I just think he's like really worried about like the fact that he's going blind." so yeah i was missing a lot of classes then well, <laughs> I, well i really was yeah yeah yeah. and i think there was a there there was an aspect of putting it in those terms and then she was like oh yeah that's right um uh, mm-hmm. i'm sorry i asked i'm like yeah well you know it's it's okay i'm sure he appreciates your concern i failed two classes <laughs> that semester
0: because i just like forgot to drop them in time
1: right yeah, yeah yeah i mean well there was there's this whole aspect i think of that you know that time of your life where it's just like who who gives a fuck about going a to- college right there was that like like oh
0: we have this cool new band Uh and like as much as i i think i am a happy person and i do I, i do try to remain optimistic there was a lot of times too where i was like like this sucks like i can't drive anymore yeah i was still not really acclimated to the way that my vision was so i would get like vertigo or like feel like motion sickness just from like being outside sometimes yeah and like, I'd just be like, eh. Uh.
1: How long did it take for, your, for you to lose your central vision completely?
0: Well, it started around February of. I mean, at first, I played baseball the fall prior. Uh-huh. And it was like the worst I'd ever played. I struck out all the time. Yeah. I, always, I was always an outfielder, and I was. Some dude hit a rocket line drive right at me. Uh huh. And an easy play. I just had to stick my hand up and catch the ball and hit yeah. me in the face. Jesus. But, like, I didn't notice any problems with my vision at the time. Uh-huh. But like, in retrospect, it was probably already changing. Right. And, um, but I really noticed it in February of 2008. And then I stopped driving, like, right around Thanksgiving of that year. Yeah. And, and, like, that fall, I was a horrible student. And that spring was pretty bad. And, uh, I still ended up graduating with, like, a, like, a, I think 2.75 GPA which isn't uh-huh. Yeah, that's not bad. Not bad. Yeah. It was over 3 before ah, all that happened. Ah. Hey, what's wrong?
1: She just hears Jamie inside. <laughs> um I mean it was like, you know, you don't need to you don't need to deal with this stuff. You got you got bigger bigger things to worry about. Um yeah, so between, we, were I was doing, like, we were doing the band like pretty seriously.
0: Yeah. So between like working at Jimmy John's with like all of our friends.
1: Uh-huh. And then playing in the
0: band and like going to other shows and like we were just like partying all the time. Yeah. It was like, well, these are all the things that don't make me feel like shit but when I go out of class uh-huh. and I can't read what's on the board and I couldn't you know, I was double majoring in history and political science, so it's a ton of reading. I mean you were an English major. Right. So it's pretty comparable.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: it was like that would not yeah, too many would things would bum, bum you me up, out, but yeah. And exactly. And
1: you're you're just thinking about like what's going on with you, so it's like, yeah, you, you got to get out of your head a little bit. Yeah. Do so. you do you want to talk about our our little brush up? Yeah, sure. I think
0: we were just spending a lot of time together. Yeah. If I, I mean, you and I, I think from the time that we met, like hit it off immediately. Yeah. And we're like really good friends right away, and I think. I didn't have a lot of patience for a lot of things at the time. I um, was a pretty I, – I needed a lot <laughs> of
1: patience. <laughs> how I, like, look back on it, and I feel, felt like a kind of a demanding person to be around to an extent. I mean, maybe. I don't – maybe it, not. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't –
0: my perspective on things back then is pretty skewed just because I was, like – I try not to be a selfish person, but I think at that time in my life I was – i was and i think
1: you had a right <laughs> to be a little bit a little bit focused on yourself for sure
0: yeah and like not necessarily in a positive way all the time like it was pretty self-destructive at times in some ways and in other ways that like playing music helped yeah but i think yeah like you and i spent a lot of time together and it was a a really like it was a weird time in my life and i I don't know. Like I was very easily annoyed by a lot of things that don't usually bother me. And so I don't even remember exactly what yeah. it was, but there was a we were at some party really, and there was yeah, like yeah. some weird argument and we like shoved each other and then it was like well
1: Oh like, yeah. Like it just immediately like very embarrassing to just like have people watch you do that. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah, I was like I was embarrassed and also like like uh I love Tim, and if this is how we're going to treat each other, if we're around each other all the time, maybe we shouldn't be around each other all yeah, the time. Yeah, for sure. And, and then what was it, like, less than a year later, you were in the band again?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, it was funny, you know, to just be like, I think that that happened, and that sucked. Like I've, yeah. I, That's literally, like, the only, like, physical scuffle I've been in since eighth grade. Yeah. Um, it was so stupid. Yeah, I felt horrible. I felt time. I was, I was just like, man, just fucking like, this is my, my fucking homie. Yeah. he's going through all this shit, and we're like, we're getting ready to do something that should be good, and you know, we've found ourselves in a position where we're just like not enjoying each other at all, and that sucks. Yeah. For me, though, I'm, and I, and I mean this truthfully is like, the, the result of listening to what y'all made and it's like oh my god vince is singing that part yeah that's fucking awesome and then scott ends up joining the band yeah and like the 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 way that it came together was like super exciting and like we were all friends at that point anyway yeah and and we all ended up like living in the same house you (laughs) and i never
0: stopped being friends yeah for
1: sure um
0: yeah and like yeah, that Scott kinda like joined the band by accident almost. Yeah. And Vince never really I don't think wanted to sing, but you were singing those parts and then he was like, Well, I'll do it.
1: Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's just like writing songs like a machine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he's been in like nine bands since then or more. I know. And uh yeah, and then like on the next recording that we did, you were playing with us again like I think that started you started playing in Night Brigade again because we were hanging out at uh at the duplex one night and i was like hey i have this song idea i can't get farther than this and you're like i'm gonna grab a guitar yeah and we like wrote that like singing the same song song yeah, yeah, yeah. which is very long but yeah I mean, it, I, could, I, it could so have f- been
1: trimmed a little bit but it was like, like it was cool all song. of us doing yeah I, th- I think i think so too um and then we played uh um we played the Never Forget Fest. Never Forget Fest. Yeah, there.
0: We did. The Bonzing Souls had us out to Jersey. Yeah, that. Was and they had us play with them in Chicago. So dope. And Brian got us on Warp Tour. No, yeah, no, I wasn't we,
1: around for that part.
0: You were playing? <laughs> no, you I'm were playing kidding. in the band then, but I think you just couldn't do the tour.
1: Yeah, maybe. I might have just something like that.
0: Because Vince couldn't come either. Yeah. So it was me, Scott, Mark, Anzel played bass. Um, uh-huh. It was like a five show tour we did because Brian. Brian from the Souls was so supportive of that band. Yeah. Uh, he got us a show at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally through the same people that booked them, and it paid really well, and like, um, it was a ton of fun. And, and then we were like, well, we need a couple shows on the way out there. Uh, we'll figure it out. And he's yeah. he's like, we're playing Warp Tour, let me see what uh-huh. I can do. Oh, that's so cool. And Anti Flag was on Warp Tour that year too, and those guys have been friends forever. I'm actually going to Chris Head's wedding next week. Oh really? Yeah. And uh um You just talk you just talk to everybody. It's
1: it's, <laughs> it's wild. I and I feel like yeah, just like like going up to the shows like that with you is always so fun and Yeah. But I mean that was uh I, I love that that duplex crew was was great and yeah. you know, listening to the record and and listening to the song that you wrote for for Steph was like I mean yeah that fucking that tore me up pretty good my friend
0: actually yeah well it's one of my favorite songs to play cuz it's not I don't think it's a sad song I think it's like a it's about something sad it's about losing people that you care about I guess but it's about doing it in a way that's like a
1: celebration more than a yeah like, Definitely. I mean it's a, you
0: were definitely grieving but
1: yeah um I think it's one of those things that it's like you know it makes you it makes you happy and and then also you know like I I know where it came from too so it's it's a lot of it's a lot of happy and and sad and yeah
0: for sure and that's an that's I think that's why I'm so proud of that song and I I uh, I think a lot of this whole record this Bind Adam and the Federal League record is is that yeah uh, um, and the shotgun appearance, like a by song. You, if you think about it, you might actually remember that right before the night brigade kind of like stopped doing whatever we were doing. Um, I think me, you, and Scott were all writing some songs that were a little more like folky country sounding. Uh huh. And I had the beginning of that song because the first verse that opens the song is about leaving the kitchen when I leaving that duplex. The day that I moved out, I don't remember who was there, but whoever was there at the duplex that day, we, like, had some beers in the fridge. Uh-huh. And me and my dad and whoever else, like, shotgun beers in the front lawn, yeah. and gave each other hugs and left. <laughs> and, and, like, and so. I think you,
1: that's a Corey move.
0: Yeah, probably. We I had that song. I showed it to all you guys, and I was like, I don't know where to go with it from here. And I, I always kind of remembered it. And then when we started this project, like, I was like, maybe I can work this into something, and like, I immediately thought of Stephanie. Yeah, and she was part of that whole crew then. And like, as soon as I thought of that, it just like flowed out. And and the way it turned out on the record is so cool. Like Jillian from Turnspit is singing. Uh, is that Jillian?
1: Hot... I thought that might be Jillian. Yeah. yeah,
0: and I know she was just on here a couple yeah. months ago, and She's their new the record best. is fucking great too. Yeah. Um, and then uh, our friend Steve Molito, who plays in bike cops with dave fernandez oh okay he's playing pedal steel on that song yeah and eric engelhard who is not in the band but we needed a lead guitar or i wanted a like a really good lead guitar player yeah yeah. mike actually suggested him mike was like hey we we recorded that out we recorded a flowing before ever even playing a show yeah um i think part of that is like a product of being in bands growing up and being in my 30s now like i have Uh a real job i make okay money yeah let's just make like a real professional record and then we'll start playing shows because I don't want to wait like two years and make a shitty demo and like, yeah,
1: right. Like, right. It's like, like just it's come like, out swinging. there's, there's aspects to the hustle that, you know, like starting, starting fresh, like 100% fresh. It's like, it's kind of intimidating to think about like, oh, okay, yeah. like I got to go and like try and do this thing now. And it's like, I mean, what, it's been, like, a while since since you were in a position of, like, trying to get on bills anywhere, so...
0: Same thing we talked about earlier with, uh, like, what happened after Article 57 ended and then, like, trying to get back into it with Endless Mike, it was, like, almost kind of timid. Yeah, totally. And, and with after Night Brigade, like, Night Brigade never even really broke up. We just, like, played one show. I think the last show we played was with Nato Coles. Yeah. At that barbecue joint. And then we just never played a show again. And we never, like, talked about it, like... Hey guys, are we done? It was just like
1: Yeah. It fun. was just like whatever. it was there and then it, it felt like it it just wasn't touched for long enough to where it just wasn't yeah. there anymore. And <laughs> yeah. Um indefinite hiatus. Uh, right.
0: Unintentionally or whatever.
1: Well I, I just yeah, and that's kind of you know, that's kinda of why I, I brought up Article fifty seven in Endless Mike, the way that I did was just like, Man, it's been it's been six, seven years since you've like made a record again, it's got to be super exciting to just like, do you remember when you started, you know, you talked about shotgun a beer and say goodbye, like coming out the way that it did. Did it all kind of come out in that way? You kind of just like get the juices going a little bit. And then you're just like writing songs when you're not even trying to write songs.
0: Yeah, I absolutely like after Night brigade was done, I would still pick up my acoustic guitar and mess around at home, but my electric guitars didn't come out of the case for years. Yeah. And, I didn't know if i'd ever write another song again not because i didn't want to necessarily but i was just like i maybe the well's dry yeah for sure and then i was with i was in a relationship that lasted five like, over five years and we lived together and uh i was like this is my life this is great like we'll eventually have a family and that'll mm-hmm. be cool and whatever i'll just work this job at this corporation that not right. too horrible uh-huh and uh it'll be you know it'll be cool and, and then that relationship ended and I was just like, okay, what am I, what am I doing now? Uh-huh. And, uh, and I, uh, I bought a really nice new guitar. Uh, Sergio actually hooked me up cause he got, got like his discount for me. Oh, was nice. for Zounds. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, okay, I bought this way fancy guitar that I don't need. Right. I need to play it every day. Yeah. <laughs> I have to to Uh justify this absolutely I was like I should take lessons again because I never really took real lessons really and I did I wanted to learn how to like play more like John Prine or like uh, uh, what's his name Towns Um, Towns Van Zandt, or like John McCullough from uh, Deer Tick like I love that Travis picking style but I couldn't I couldn't do it right and I was like and I remember, so I, I learned how to play like that, and I was like, I want to write sad songs because uh-huh. I'm sad, <laughs> and I wrote that Lonely Weekend song, uh, yeah, and and I think the first demo I made of it, I was like, I think Tim would like this, and I sent it to you, and you're like, you just responded, Towns Van Zant baby, yeah, and I was like, cool.
1: Well, it's fun, yeah, it's funny. I was just uh, I was just clearing out some space, and I just saw the. Uh, the file for the uh, the original one, I, just, I listened to it like a couple hours before you got here. And I was like, yeah, this is like the beginning and it starts <laughs> going. And, you know, it's funny too, like knowing, knowing you for as long as I have as a songwriter and seeing the way like that Americana has just kind of like, you know, just come together with like the, the punk rock that you, you know, originally like cut your teeth on, but it's just, it's three chords, you know, maybe hit the minor that's in that key yeah <laughs> and it's you know it's got a really really great tone to it i think you did a really good job of just like making you know a, a raucous and a sad thing that's like it's all you know it's got a lot of nice like acoustic te- textures to it thanks man and the- you kind
0: of got me into a lot of that stuff you brought your external hard drive over and you were like you like lucero right and i was like yeah i like like what i've heard here's eight records here's their whole discography and if you like them you'd also you should also listen to more ryan adams and here's in the entire drive-by truckers discography (laughs) check out jason isbell uh he was in drive-by truckers
1: and and then since then he's like the one of the fucking best songwriters on the planet he's amazing and
0: then you know other people that have come through nashville more recently sturgill simpson and Tyler childers just came out that awesome record that sturgill produced and like Yeah, you were like, listen to the old 97s. Yeah, like, I was like, yeah, this stuff is all great. And it was very familiar to me because it was similar to stuff that my parents listened to, but I don't think they dug that deep into it. And I know your dad.
1: Oh, always. Loved
0: all that stuff. And like, your dad always kept up with contemporary music too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that, that external hard drive is just my dad's external hard drive. <laughs> like, yeah. Here it is. Like well, as I added stuff to it, like, you know, being in the dorms for a couple of years, that's like how I passed time was but was just getting like, getting really hard into that stuff. Yeah. It's awesome to see the way that you've taken to it because I think it makes it makes a lot of sense with the the things that you've kind of always written. You think you've always had a folksy side, like going back to Woody and You were always interested in that stuff. Yeah, man. Like growing up with Springsteen, I mean, there there is no Bruce Springsteen without
0: country music and folk music. Oh yeah. Like there's a thriving like honky tonk country scene in Chicago right now, and I found that just by going to uh, Empty Bottle on Friday. Like the first song on the record. Yeah. Totally. I do that almost every single Friday. Right. It's not just like a catchy song idea. Yeah.
1: That's like (laughs) I'm just gonna write a song about what I do on Friday nights. It's fun, man. It's it's super celebratory. And I think it's like, it's, it's awesome for a lot of reasons. And they're not, not only just because of knowing you, it's, it's music that I think, I think people can totally relate to and and catch a lot of goodness from.
0: Thanks, man. Well, I really appreciate that you like it because (laughs) I know that you love that kind of music. So it means a lot to me.
1: It's good to see you doing it again. You still riding that motorcycle around? Not much. Yeah. I did
0: Toys for Tots and I'll probably do it again this year, but. I rode that motorcycle for a long time after losing my vision, and I put a lot of miles on it with the vision that I do have now, and I don't regret it, but I, uh, as I've gotten older and seen people that are fully sighted get into horrible accidents that aren't their fault necessarily, yeah, it's like, I there's a lot of things I have to live for and to use all my limbs for,
1: uh. and
0: uh, <laughs> I don't think I could say that I'll ever completely stop riding motorcycles because it's something that I do love, but there's other things that I love more than the possibility of getting seriously injured or killed. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's good. That's a yeah. good perspective to have. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, when it, that was, that was a fucking good thing for you then. And it, and it carried on and it was, it continued to be a good thing for you. And man, I got thinking about all this stuff and made me really thankful for, uh, for having you, having you around my life.: oh,
0: man, you too. I, I wish we saw each other more, and that's something that we can easily change. Definitely. Thanks for coming by.: Absolutely thank you for having me. All
1: right, hey. Great stuff from someone who has had a huge impact on my life and the way I see the world. So wonderful. Having the opportunity to share Adam and his story with all of you out there. This new record is fantastic. So happy he's back at it. So happy to have him on this show. Check out Blind Adam and the Federal League online, blindadam.bandcamp.com. Subscribe to this show. On Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, rate it, write a review, tell a friend about the show, like it on Facebook. You can send me a message on there. Twitter is at Yet pod Check out my other shows, As You Were a Podcast about Alkaline Trio i'm postmarked them. Matter Perspectives on Professional Wrestling. The website is BetterYetPod.com. And we're also on Bandcamp, BetterYetPodcast.bandcamp.com. And thank you so much. Thanks to Adam. Thank you, Chloe and Lily. We're back. We're at it again, baby. Triple digits. We're taking over. Come back next week. Thanks, folks.